to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. We are in Colossians chapter 2, last time we were together, which was uh, two weeks ago. We started in Colossians chapter 2, and if you remember, there was a couple of things that I had shared with you about Colossians. The book of Colossians is a book that Paul wrote, or a letter that Paul wrote to a church that was in Colossae, okay? It's a church that was in Colossae. Now, Colossae was beginning to dwindle as a, as an economic center, as a town or as a city. And so it was starting to diminish. And, and that role would then soon be taken on by a very nearby city called Laodicea. And Laodicea, there, there was a church in Laodicea and probably many of the believers that were in Colossae went over to, because they didn't have to move very far, went over into Laodicea and became a part of that church. And so when we read the book of Colossians, we can look at this writing and understand that Paul is writing not just to the church of of, uh, Colossae, but he's also writing to the church that was in Laodicea. We see that in in, uh, the the first couple of verses here in... uh, chapter 2 of Colossians, Paul says, I want you to know what a great conflict that I have for you and those in Laodicea. For as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance and understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures... Not some of the treasures, but all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so here we look at, and we see that Paul is writing, and he, a couple things that we can understand here is that Paul says, I've never seen you guys. I've never been to your church. I've never been there. One thing that we know is that there was a fellow, there was a friend of his, a brother of his named Epaphras that was really kind of Pastor Epaphras, if you will, of the Church of Colossae. And so he is the one who would bring reports to Paul, and Paul had a, a, a you know a passion for the church, but he had never been there. He had a heart for the people, and he wanted to pray for it, and he, he prayed for the people, and he ministered to the people, but through Epaphras. But now he's writing a letter. He's saying, I know that you guys haven't seen my face, but I want you to be encouraged in the Lord because I want you to understand that all of the hidden treasures are found in God. They're all found in Christ. They're all there. Don't let somebody come in and rip you off. Okay? And so he is he is setting up, he, he's telling us that though I've never been there, I love you. But here's some things and some warning signs that I see and some encouragement that I'm laying out for you to be aware of because it's begun to infiltrate your church, I understand, Paul says. I understand that some things are starting to infiltrate the church. I understand that there are some who are called Gnostics 
and, and, and the word Gnostic is, is, it's, it's people that believe that they know all things, you know. They, they know basically all things of the Lord. They're the smart ones. They're the intelligent ones. Hey, listen to us. We're the Gnostics. We're the, we're the, the academic, uh, pros here. We're the ones that have gone to university. We're the ones that are the higher thinkers. We're the intellectuals. You need to listen to us. I find it interesting that God didn't go out and reach or didn't go out and utilize just the intellectual to reach the world. In fact, Paul says, hey, not many wise were called. Why? Because sometimes this thing between these things called the brain can become so inflated that we begin to believe our own PR. We begin to believe our own intellect that we are smarter than anyone else, that we're smarter even than God. And that is what began to creep into the church of Colossae. There, the, this is how cults start. This is how uh, division within churches happen. Notice that most cults don't start out as sidewalk evangelists for their cult. Where they're started are in churches like ours. They find the people that are already committed and then they go in and grab them and try to twist their mind to become a part of them, become a part of their group, to become a part of their way of thinking. That's what's happening here. The Gnostics have creeped in. And one way that they that they have come in is that they've come in and they've said, listen, I, I, Jesus died on a cross. Hey, rock and roll, that's good. But, but, you got to do these other things. I mean, you have to worship on these days. You've got to not partake of certain things over here. You can't be of that. You can't eat this. Goodness, don't ever eat that. They never had a pulled pork sandwich. Why would you ever follow somebody like that? They, they said, oh, you can't, you can't worship on Sunday. You only can worship on Saturday. That's a day. You have to observe this feast. You have to observe this festival. You have to, and listen, I, I understand it would have to be a difficult time back in that day. Because that's all they knew. They knew festivals. They knew feasts. They knew, they knew Sabbaths. They understood that there were certain things that according to the law, you had to abide by. But then Jesus comes along and Jesus dies on a cross and Jesus pays for your sin and my sin. And he becomes the perfect fulfillment of the law. So that we don't find our righteousness in doing the law and abiding by the law, but we find our righteousness in Jesus Christ. Not by doing things, but in enveloping ourselves into what Jesus has done for us. 
All of those things, the Bible tells us, were shadows of the real thing that is found in Jesus. Don't worship on the Sabbath. Or you have to worship on the Sabbath. You can't worship on a Sunday. Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Worship any day you want. But Paul, he understands that these guys have crept into the church and they're beginning to add extra burdens upon the church. They're beginning to add different parameters on what it means to be a Christian. You've got to do it this way, this way, this way, this way, this way. You've got all these rules and regulations. It can't be so simple that Jesus died for you on a cross and that he rose again three days later and because you believed in him, you're going to go to heaven. That's silly. You've got to do all of these other things. And what Paul's saying is don't listen to those guys. Jesus Christ plus Nothing equals salvation. You can't earn your way to heaven. You simply believe. You simply accept what Christ has done for you. What God sent, the free gift of His Son, Jesus I shared this last week or last time we were together. But Colossians is to me is, is a little bit of a sad letter. For this reason, if you look at it in context, Paul is talking to a living church that is still moving forward. It's still going. They're still seeking the Lord. And he's saying, beware, there's people that are coming in trying to disrupt that. You need to be aware. But somewhere along the lines, they stopped hanging on truth and began to believe these intellectuals. And because they began to believe something other than Jesus Christ and him crucified equals salvation, they began to dry up. They began to become very lukewarm. And they turned into the church of Laodicea. That was the church. This is the church. It's the seventh church in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verses 14 through 22, where Jesus is talking to the church of Laodicea and says, you know, I know your works, they're neither hot nor cold. You're neither hot, you're neither cold. You're simply just lukewarm. You're just abiding. You're just existing. You're, you're simply not teaching truth. You're, you're not, you're not, you're not living in me. You're not trusting me. You're trusting other things. You're looking at other things. You've become lukewarm. You, 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 you have no purpose anymore. Because of that, you make me sick. Because you're neither cold nor hot, I want to spew you out of my mouth, Jesus says. This is what happens 
when false doctrine begins to get creep into a church, the church begins to suffer. The church begins to, to lose its identity. The church begins to lose the identity that it has in Jesus Christ and him alone. Because no longer is it Jesus Christ and him alone, it's Jesus Christ, him, and a bunch of other things. You know, I, I shared this the last time I was here, and it was this. I said, you know, knowing how to live the Christian life is quite simple. Living the Christian life is quite difficult. In fact, it's impossible to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. What do I mean by that? I mean that we can look into the Word of God and we can simply find out the simple truth of what the Word of God says. Sometimes it's more difficult to live it out. It's just a little bit more difficult to live it out. And when we... When we find the difficulties living out our Christian life, we know what's right, we know what's wrong. I mean, some things are just so obvious of what is right and what is wrong according to Scripture. But to actually live that out, it becomes a little bit more difficult because our flesh gets in the way. Paul is trying to warn the church of Colossae about allowing outsiders to come in and twist. But, but in light of that, it's, it's anything that would cause us to move away from Jesus Christ and Him crucified. In this area, he's talking about others coming in. In fact, the whole chapter will talk about the others that are coming in. If I were to ask you what three things as a Christian are against you, what three things are against you continually as a Christian living today, what would you say? What 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 are three things? Anyone? Huh? The world? What? Flesh? There's two. Satan. There's three. The world, flesh, and Satan. When we say flesh, what do we mean? Because that, you know, that's that's a Christianese term right there, right? The world, okay, I can see that. Satan, well, that's obvious. He's a little red guy with, you know, horns and a pointy tail with a pitchfork. You think that he looks like that? He doesn't look like that. Oh, he could. Doesn't always. Paul says, listen. He can transform himself into an angel of light. He can look gorgeous. He can look beautiful. He can look absolutely breathtaking standing before you and say profane things, say blasphemous things, and try to get you to change your mind against the Lord. Hence the reason why Paul would be warning the church in Colossae. Hence the reason why why. I am here and why Pastor Kevin is here as we try to encourage you to get into the Word, guys, and to stay into the Word. One of the reasons why we have a problem, and I say, hey, knowing what to do isn't such a hard thing to do because the Bible tells us. I mean, look, you you sit there and you go, okay, hey, here, here's the thing. Uh, you, 
you know, should I, uh, you know, that the, it happened to me one time. I was at a bank, Bank of Redlands out in California. And I put a deposit in, you know, into my account for, I don't know, 38 cents or something. I don't know what it was, but put it in through the, through the little tube and it and went in, you know, and a, a, another tube came back to me like really, really quick. I'm thinking, well, no, that was quick, but. 38 cents or whatever it was that I was, you know, depositing, you know, it came back and I opened it up and there was like 600 bucks. And then I'm sitting there looking and I'm going, there's like 600 bucks here. And all of a sudden the tube goes, and, I'm, and another one pops up and I go, wow, I have hit the jackpot, you know, <laughs> opened it up and it was my deposit slip. What's the right thing to do? What? Turn that deposit slip back in and say, hey, this isn't mine. That must be that guy's over here. I'm out of here. No, I'm not. That's not the right way. You know, you put the, put the money back in and say, hey, the right thing, what is, what would the Bible tell you to do? The right thing, right? What if you're struggling so much and you've been praying, God, you prayed that morning. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this day. I'm going to get kicked out of my house unless I have 600 bucks. That 600 bucks comes to you right there. You gonna take it? Bible says don't do it. But sometimes our flesh will rise up and say, they'll never know. Now, they would. You just think through that a little bit. They'll find you. But the point is, knowing what to do and doing the right, you know, knowing to do the right thing and then doing the right thing are sometimes two different things. Knowing is pretty simple. Doing is much more difficult. But with the Holy Spirit prompting you, and as the Holy Spirit sits there and goes, that ain't your money, give it back. I know, but man, what happens? The flesh jumps in. I gave you a little piece of paper and, and, and a pen. Uh, I want, what, I, what I'd like, and I know it's going to be hard, but if you can, it, I, I, this is going to be a very simple exercise, and you're going to go, why did we have to do this? Well, because I want it to be simple. I understand that. I, I want you to do it because I, I want you to have something ingrained in you for the rest of your life, all right? And hopefully this thing will be ingrained in you. So if, if you would, please, can you kind of get next to another person and, and just just whenever, you know, I like now yeah get up go next to one person you need to have in twos okay in twos and here's what i want you to do i want you to put that pad in between you all right put that pad in between you everybody got twos 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 there we go All right. All right. Actually, this is this is going a lot faster than I thought it would. <laughs> All right. Okay. Now you got your notebook there in hand. Okay. What I want you to do is I want you to get a pen. Hold the pen up. One person. Hold the pen up. What I want is just one person to hold the bottom of the pen. I want the person next to you to hold the middle of the pen. You're going to hold the pen together. All right. 
All right? The person who holds the bottom of the pen, you are A, group A. All right? The person who's holding the middle of the pen is group B. Write this. At the count of three, I want you to write this first screen. Right. Yes. Write it together. Write it. At the count of three, you write your sentence. If you're B, you write your sentence. If you're A, you write your sentence. Can you do it up here? Yeah. Let's wait for the count of three. Oh, three. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Go. <laughs> write it. Come on. Write your sentence. Don't worry about the person with you. Write your sentence. Write your sentence. Come on. Overpower the person next to you. Come on, do what you need. Need a couple tacos from the taco truck. I want to pray or call my friend who's going through a difficult time. Come on, you spiritual guys, gals, you can do it. All right, all right. You done? Good. All right, stop with that sentence. Now go to the next sentence. Here's the next sentence. Do the next sentence. Ready? At the count of three. One, two, three, go. Write this one. A, A group, get up ten minutes early to read my Bible. B group, sleep ten minutes after my alarm and then read my phone. All right. All right. All right. Now, here's what I want you to do. Now, take your own pad and your own pen. Okay? And write this next sentence. Ready? Go. All right. Now you can go back to your seats and you can look at your, well, before you go, look at, look at your notebook. All right. Look at the notebook that you guys both wrote on. How legible, how legible is the first sentence that you wrote? Huh? If it's good, it's because one overpowered the other. Right? It's all on the same line. Hopefully, hopefully you you followed directions and you wrote your sentence on the same line that the other guy was supposed to write his sentence. Did you do that? All right. <laughs> who, who, who want, I mean, is there anybody that had their sentence perfect? All right. Huh? <laughs> I mean, was, was anybody get their full sentence out without, I mean, with it looking okay? How about second sentence? How about the third sentence? How about that third screen that we did? This one right here. 
Can you read this screen on your, uh, this, this sentence on your page? Right. Why? Because you wrote it by yourself. You wrote it without any distractions. The idea here that I really wanted to pound into your head is this. Every single day of your life, we talk about the three things that are against us. Satan, obvious. The world, yep, I can see that. But the flesh, myself, me, I'm against me. Yeah, just like that middle hand. The middle, that the hand that was on the middle of the pen. That wants to do its thing. There's another part of you that wants to do the right thing and they're at constant battle with one another. And the only way for anything to become legible in your life, for anything to actually have victory in your life is when one, (laughs) the only way for anything to really be legible is for one to be released. Sadly to say, ourselves, myself, I oftentimes write the B sentence. But the A sentence is always there. I always knew about the A sentence. But the B part of me has always grabbed the pen. It always seems to grab the pen quickly. It always seems to try to, to, to beat A to the punch. And sadly to say, in confession to you, B oftentimes wins. Why? B is our flesh. Paul talks about it. There's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. There's a battle between the flesh and the spirit. The things that are against us, Satan, that's an obvious thing. The world, yeah, I can understand that the world is against us too. But me, I'm actually my own worst enemy at times. It's not hard to know the right thing to do. It's not hard to know that you need to do the A group. But it's much easier. It's much more pleasurable to do the B group. It's easier. And the flesh will win out that way. Paul says, listen, there are, there are, The word, not just Paul, Jesus will talk about it. Paul talks about it. John talks about it. Peter talks about it. The whole word of God speaks about the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And we can't live a holy life without the Holy Spirit. Just acknowledging that we have a battle going on is half the battle acknowledging that we have a battle going on because now I know what I need to do. I need to run to the Lord and ask his help. I need to ask the Lord, God, give me the strength to do this. I surrender my will to you, God. That's what I, I, I want to do the right thing. But my flesh would like to do something else. And, and here's the thing. If my flesh always wins, what kind of life am I living? I'm living a life according to the flesh. And I bought the lie that it's about me. And it's not about the Lord. It's not about others. It's not about ministering. I I heard many years ago an acronym to joy. You want joy in your life? There's three things to consider. 
in this order. Joy, Jesus, others, and then yourself. Unfortunately, I get that backwards a lot. And it's kind of an, an abortion of a, of, of a word, yaj. It doesn't make any sense. Myself first, others second, and then Jesus, if there's time. When there's not time for Jesus, it's just yo. <laughs> yo. Here's the thing. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time, so next week I'll finish this chapter. But here, here's the thing. I want you to, to understand that you got, you got something against you right now. Recognize that when we walk out of this building today, you got Satan, the world, and yourself that is in your way of doing the right thing, of, of being in the presence, practicing the presence of the Lord and living for Jesus. And if, if we allow any of those three things to win, we will live a defeated life in Christ. Paul is getting in here in chapter two and he said, and, and we're going to get into the others. I, I just, this is a, an area that I'd been reading in a book and I'd been, I've been going through a book that I have told you many times over the years that I think that a Christian should read it at least once a year. It's a book by Andrew Murray called Absolute Surrender. Absolute surrender is tough. To be absolutely surrendered to the Lord means this. I'll understand what God wants me to do, but then I'll also understand that he's given me the power to do it. And so no matter if Satan comes at me, no matter if my flesh comes at me and wants to do something different, and especially if others come at me. It's one of the things that we struggle with, gang, and every one of us struggle with it is what other people think. We want to be accepted. We, we don't want to be the dummy. We don't want to be the one that is on the outside. Oh, you've seen the little illustrations where they take, you know, a classroom and, and, and it's, it's a, it's, it's a, you know, a, a an illustration or a, uh, what do they call it? A, uh, a, not a trial, but a, an experiment. Thank you. Think of that word. Wow, really? <laughs> no, I couldn't think of experiment. It's an experiment at school, at schools that they'll do. And they'll bring all these students in. And every student is in, is involved. Every student is in on this experiment, except for one of the people, one of the students. And as they all go in and they say, hey, uh, is, is, you know, they'll show a screen, you know, the left being blue, the right being red. And I say, okay, on the left side of the screen, you know, is it blue or red? And everybody in the class will say, it's blue. If it's red, I forgot which one I said was red and blue. But if that over there was red and the whole class says blue, it says, who, who believes that this is blue? Even, and they're pointing to the red and the whole class lifts their hand. It's the one that's not in it, in on it goes, I must be out on, I must be missing something. But okay, I agree. Everybody else agrees, so I'm going to agree. 
And they go through that. And what is that? It was the power of suggestion. It's the power of wanting to be included. It's the power. It, it's the, the this power of of not wanting to stick out in a crowd, to not want to to be the the the, the outsider. Now, I know some of you guys will go, that's red, it's red, it'll be red until I'm dead. It's red. I don't care that you all, all the others think that it's blue, it's red. Well, that's good. But, can we handle the peer pressure of the world that's around us? And that's what Paul's talking about here. There are people that have crept into church and people are starting to embrace we're going to get into this next week. They're embracing what these others are saying because they continue to multiply. And nobody wants to be the one that's left out. Nobody wants to be the dummy. Nobody wants to be the one. And so they they acquiesce to the additions to Christ. And I, I know that as I'm, I had us do this little lesson, this little experiment today, the whole purpose of me doing that is to know that Hey, we deal with that on a day-by-day basis in a personal way too. The outside influences around us. We can look at others and we can say, oh, look, their life is this, their life is that. If I do this, I can have what they have. If I do this, I can be what they are. If I, and, and, and maybe that's not what the Lord wants of you. But it's what you want of you. It's what I want of me. And sometimes, no, most of the times, the things that I want for me are maybe not what the Lord wants of me. But I'll power through and get what I want. The next thing you know, you're disappointed because it isn't what you thought it was going to be. And you end up kind of drying up. That's what's happening to the church. When they allowed the others to influence them. When you allow the flesh side of you to influence the spirit side of you, you're going to dry up. Know that there's a battle going on for your spiritual walk on a day-by-day basis, and the biggest battle starts with you. When you wake up in the morning, do you decide, Lord, I'm going to allow you to win these battles for me today. I'm going to talk, I'm just talking mostly about us today, that, that, facet of our life where it's ourselves that are against us today next week the others but this week it's it's ourselves do you purpose in your heart to say lord i want to do the right thing and today i'm going to pray that when i'm confronted with an issue that my flesh would normally win lord i want you to 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 give me the strength to win regardless of the embarrassment it might cause me regardless of the the you know the revelation to other people that they might look down on me because of it i want to do what's right i want to do what's honoring to you i want to do what is holy in your eyes and what's righteous in your eyes because gang there's way too much of the opposite happening in this world, especially amongst the church. We have a tendency in the church to cower at the flesh, at others. 
we have a tendency to, to, to cower at the enemy. And we won't stand up. We won't be strong in Jesus. Because we don't really trust that he's going to give us the strength to get through it. Or if he does give us the strength to get through it, we're not going to be accepted by a bunch of people. Gang, now is not the time to be popular with the world. Now is not the time to become popular with the world. Now is the time to stand up and be a Christian. Now is the time to stand up and be a light in a dark world. Because the lights are going out, man. And it's getting darker and darker and darker. And God wants to make you a light. God wants the light that is in you to shine before the world that they would look at you and say, what is up with you? I'm a Christian. I'm just trying to do what God wants me to do. I gave my life to Jesus and this is what I'm doing. Really? Let that light so shine that they would see your good works, Jesus said, and glorify your Father in heaven, right? That's what he said. That's what he wants you to be. That's what he wants me to be. But we can't be a light if the flesh always wins, right? We gotta be careful. We can't do it. It's impossible for us to live this Christian life. It's easy to know what to do. It's impossible to do, to live it out unless we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And when we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, no matter what comes our way, if we are doing what the Holy Spirit calls us to do, if we are living in Christ, if we are living for Christ, then when wrong things come our way, when influences or outside peer pressures come our way, we'll know the right thing to do. And the longer we're with the Lord, we're going to understand that He's going to give us the strength to see us through those difficult times in our life. And in the end, you're going to be happy that you follow Jesus rather than following the world. It's easy to follow the world. It's impossible to follow Christ without the Holy Spirit. Let's live in the Holy Spirit. Let's recognize that our flesh is against us, Satan is against us, and the others in the world are against us. But we need to know who we are in Christ. Who are you in Christ? I mean it when I said it during our our time of communion. I believe Jesus was thinking about you personally when he was on the cross. He didn't pick... Billy Graham died, what, a couple years ago now, right? Was it a couple years ago? Something like that? A year ago? A year and a half ago? I don't know. Something like that. I was at the Billy Graham Library about six months ago with my wife and saw his grave and went through his, you know, thing up there and it's pretty weird. Pretty wild. It was pretty interesting to see how a man's life touched millions. I remember one time, a long time ago, Don McClure had shared a story of going to a Billy Graham uh, training center and somebody standing up and saying, how many of you wish that God would have made one less of you and one more Billy Grahams? And the, the point is, 
the, the point is this. God didn't make two milligrams. He made one milligram and he made one of you. He didn't make a mistake by making you. But he could have influenced so many more people if it would have made more milligrams than none of me. He doesn't make mistakes. He made you. Now, he has a plan that he wants to fulfill through you personally. Will you let him do it? The only way for that to happen is for you to surrender to his will and trust him. And not trust the flesh, not trust the world, and not trust Satan. Because those are the three things that are going to keep you from fulfilling the plan that God has for your life. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.